Hi, I'm Sampa the Great, and this is the LSQ Podcast. Welcome to the LSQ Podcast. I'm Jenny LSQ, and it's my pleasure in episode 79 to share an interview with Sampa the Great, who's an incredible artist that just released her sophomore studio album, As Above, So Below, and who I also got to see in concert earlier this year. And it was one of those live music experiences that reminds you how powerful it can be when a performer as brilliant as Sampa has command of the audience but is generous with that command and brings you into the energetic fold so you feel like you really are communing with them in an important way. And you really are. And Sampa in this interview talks about how some of her early experiences with music among just her family really taught her how moving it can be to experience music in the same space as people. And we talk a lot about her new album, As Above, So Below, which is out now. We recorded this interview in the weeks leading up to the album's release. Um, But yeah, you can get that online and in stores now. And she talks about how the album was deeply influenced by her return home to Zambia after years of, of mostly living abroad, principally in Australia. And it was intriguing to hear how she reconnected with some of her original artistic spirit by being back home for a long stretch of time for the first time in her adult life. Let's get into the interview. It's nice to meet you. Hello, nice to meet you too. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Where are you? I'm in Seattle right now. So we're doing Day in Day Out Festival today. Tomorrow we're going to be in Canada, then LA, Brazil. It's tour life. (laughs) It's really tour life. Yeah, I saw you play at the Roxy just after Coachella, which yeah. was just fucking great show. Such oh, a such you. a good vibe. Thank you. That was really fun. Did you have a bit of time off in between that and this run of shows? We had like what two weeks off, and that was just filled in with more stuff. That's it's just gonna be that year this year, you know. We getting back to the tours that we were supposed to have before the pandemic hit and yeah, it's just going to be a bit fast-paced, but I managed to get a birthday break, which I really needed, and that was really, really nice. So that's the break that counted. <laughs> Amazing. Happy belated birthday. Thank you. Thank you. And another, so another birthday of sorts is coming up with the birth of this new album, As Above, So Below, which is on the horizon. It's, you know, just less than a month away now, right? Yeah, it's it's ready to be birthed. It's been kept for too long, so I'm excited. Yeah, tell me about the very beginning phases of the conception of this group of songs. Where were you and so forth? I, I was in Australia at the time. I think this is the beginning of 2020. Obviously, pandemic hits, overwhelming Shows are getting canceled, tours are getting canceled. So the musicians don't know what they're supposed to do next or if, you know, the industry will still be there in, you know, a few months. And there's just that space of just feeling overwhelmed and not really wanting to record anything, let alone making a project. And I think it was after being relocated back home and actually getting to sit with, you know, musicians from home, producers who I've wanted to work with from home, And then, you know, a change in environment, a change in space, a realization that, you know, the artistry actually took off, even though it was in a place outside of my country. And, you know, the dream that was was conceptualized at home to be an artist actually came true. And to be able to go back home, that was sort of a full circle that 
sort of re-sparked wanting to make a project. I didn't call it an album then yet. I just wanted to, you know, create something at home. And, you know, the album was first. So that was sort of the beginning mentality of, of making the album. And so getting back to Zambia, like initially it wasn't what you really would have chosen if not for the pandemic. I mean, a lot of people ended up going back where they're from during the pandemic. I'm intrigued about what things started to happen being back home that switched from this reluctance to be there to being to realizing that there was this opportunity for inspiration. I mean, I, I've always wanted to go back home. For one, I didn't have any place to stay. <laughs> You know, my parents' retirement house was there out in the farms, way far from the city, which was not convenient for me. But it's like, okay, a place to stay uh, now that I'm back. And, you know, it's always a thing of, you know, do my career outside of home, gain the knowledge of working in this industry, get the resources and bring that back and create platforms for young Zambians to who want to do what I'm doing. And that's always like a long-term goal thing as you grow and the pandemic sort of fast-tracked that and I found myself home without even a second album to my name <laughs> and just almost starting afresh, but but really not, you know, having established a bit of myself as an artist and coming back home and sharing that with everyone and sort of seeing what is the next steps for me. You know, I can't get back to Australia. It seems like I'm being redirected. What do I do now? Uh, sort of mindset so I definitely didn't plan it this early in my career to relocate back home but it happened and it happened for the better it it came to you know two three months into it I was like yo I'm, I'm supposed to be here and you know getting to work now with young producers and work on music that we all grew up on versus us trying to recreate music that I grew up on which was mostly what was happening in Australia it's like that's dope music let's try and recreate it now you're working with people who've grown up with the same music and it became more of expanding our knowledge of our own music and and rediscovering Zambian bands, Zambian live musicians who I tour with now and being like, wow, we have so much talent. I mean, I knew it, but I haven't lived in the country long enough to experience it and 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 know how our music industry has grown. So that that made it different. That made it different and definitely filled a huge space of belonging in my heart to be able to actually sit at home and be at home. Yeah. And also you were so young when you started to leave, right? Because you were like out of, at the end of high school, yeah. you were starting to leave a lot. And like, I'm sure now, cause you're, you know, you're still, you're still a young person, you know, but I'm like, you, I know you just had a birthday. You're not sure about it, but I can, as an older person, I can say that. Um, but yeah, it's just that like, I'm sure now you look back and you think of yourself with this tenderness about the younger you, yeah. where you're just like, wow, I was strong enough to go explore new places and start doing my thing seriously. But now, you know, like you didn't, you didn't have experience yet to 100%. see what you were leaving behind as much, but I want to, so I want to, I do want to get there, but I also want to go back further first mm -hmm. to know more about like when you first as a little kid got inspired to be creative, like what was the first kind of spark of creativity of any kind that you felt and that excited you? I'd say around the age of seven. So we do these little celebrations with each other, whether it's, you know, birthdays or cultural celebrations. And I remember specifically, we went to a, a baby shower with one of my aunties and we were all sitting there and, you know, women, men, what have you. And we were singing 
but we're singing in unison. So here's my seven-year-old self watching all these adults sing in unison. And it just got to a point where it sounded like one voice. I remember like staring up and being like, is everyone singing or just having this experience where everyone's sort of connected at this one moment. And I was like, this is really strong. This is really powerful. And not really having the words or explanation of what was happening or, or what I was thinking, but I think it was powerful enough to, to make me as a little kid think, oh, music is really crazy. The way it can connect us all like this, this is wild. And following through with that and just getting interested in how we sing together, how we um, connect with each other through the language in our music. So that was my first like music experience that kind of was the catalyst to, to explore music more. And then, so what, how, how soon after that, did you feel like that these, the universe started sending more signals that like, there's something here with this music thing? Well, very loud signals. Cause I was very stubborn. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, more hearing either my family play music in our living rooms or, you know, people in the family played, but it was always on a hobby level. Everyone always did it as a hobby. No one ever tried to do it as a career. And I also then remember age eight or nine walking into my cousin cousin's room and hearing Tupac. And then it's like, okay, this is another take on expression. Now this is through words. And I always say as a middle kid, when you're trying to get attention from everybody else and nobody hears you, you're like, okay, I'll just write it down. And so the diary became a huge thing to me and writing things down and taking notes became a huge thing for me. And then spoken word was birthed from that love. And here I am listening to Tupac and finding someone who's able to mix words with music and make it sound good and, and make you feel like you're, you're, you're walking into his world. And I was like, okay, so here's a way I can express myself and be heard and still use music as a way to communicate. And I think a lot of that was like, okay, I like music and I like expressing myself through music. So that was one of the, the little hints the universe would, would give to me. And also... Being a kid in my neighborhood, we loved singing with each other. I would like pretend I was the choir master, get all the little kids to sing Lion King. And just, you know, just, it was really like a huge part of my childhood to be able to sing and laugh together. Um, and it wasn't until maybe high school where I started to think of myself as an artist, but not say it out loud. There was always fear with that. And I remember doing my first performance in high school where I rapped, what's a rendition of, of, Keisha Cole's song with Missy and Little Kim. What song is that? If he ain't gonna love you. And I wrote my little rap to it. And just like performing and seeing people's reaction, it became very apparent that this is something that I love to do. And then we get little hints here and there of, of, of music being a huge thing. Me actually coming to San Francisco to study film rather than music because to me, it was like, I, well, I'll never make it in music. Maybe I have a, a bigger chance in film. And then turning that to sound engineering to appease my parents, because it was like, if you're not doing engineering, then it's not a real job. <laughs> but trying to keep sound there, you know, infused in that path. And I think it wasn't until I was in Australia after the great mixtape was released that we had gotten the Kendrick Lamar support very early on in my career. I think it was 2016. You know, at that point, the universe had sent too many, too many hints to ignore. And I think then was where I was like, OK, I'm, I'm going to try this artist thing out. I'm going to try and be an artist. 
but they've been they've been a lot of hints a lot of coincidences that are just too crazy to be coincidences um and it just got to a point where it was like i'm gonna try i'm gonna gain the courage to try this this thing out I'm intrigued as well about just the technical training uh, in the sound engineering stuff. I mean, it seems like I'm sure it reflects some aspect of the way that you hear music or the way you yeah. your of your creative side. Like, have you noticed that that training, uh, like, yeah, like has has had an influence on the music you ended up making? That yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, I annoy producers. <laughs> like, I'm sitting there with them, being like, okay, but what, what if we try? And I'm glad for that experience because then I know how great the music can sound and what sound I want for my own music. And also to gain the courage to actually say that I co-produce my music, which which a lot of us women in the industry do. But again, it's seeing that it's more male dominated that kind of makes you step back and be like, wait, this is something that I'm actually good at. And this is something that I want to um to be involved in. I still have a love of sound engineering. I still want to work on music, particularly be a film composer that I see how I, I infuse that in, into my work and definitely studying sound engineering has helped with the way I make my projects. And when you did step into this, as you say, like this, the courage to say, yes, I've seen myself as an artist for a while now, I'm going to declare it and and live it and the whole thing. Like, what were some of your early ideas of, uh, at that point, the kind of artist you thought you wanted to be? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be Lauren Hill Jr. <laughs> Lauren Hill B. Yeah, just that example of a woman in hip hop expressing herself through hip hop. That was kind of my first example. And obviously with examples, you're like, that's that's how I got to go. That's how I got to be. But the more, you know, in the context of Australia, I saw how important it was to not only represent the way I love expressing myself, but also who I am and where I'm from the more that started to be infused with my culture. And a lot of the Tandiso Mazuais and Angelique Kijos, you know, started to uh, come up to the fro- forefront. You can do it all. You can express yourself however however way you want. And infusing your culture just makes it even more richer. So uh, the beginning was definitely Lauren Hill. It's just like someone who raps, who looks like me, who's a woman, she's doing it and she's doing it well. That's the biggest example. That's who I want to be. Yeah. And then it seems to me like that that some of the journey since then has been like learning to appreciate who you actually are mm-hmm. as a singular individual 100%. in the history of humankind, you know, that <laughs> that like, and, and I'd love for you to tell me more, you know, with respect to As Above, So Below and this mm-hmm. group of songs about some of these concepts, because you know, it's an album about self-discovery and mm. about like embracing and really living your tr- your true self yeah. and that kind of thing. So tell me a little bit about the, the thought process behind yeah. this moment in your creative evolution. I mean, what you said at the top of that, just as young upcoming artists, we aim to be the examples we saw. But as you grow in your artistry, you realize that that example was only there to show you you could do it. Now it's time for you to take that example and interpret it into who you are. So the less I tried to be like Lauren, the more I could be Sampa and more I could see what I love, uh, the stories I love to tell, the music I grew up on and, and love sharing, and the more I could solidify myself as an artist. And so, you know, that journey has continued and grow, grown um, within the past six years. Uh, and I think it's taken a really beautiful turn and relocating back home because now the context isn't me trying to represent different groups of people 
in a country that I wasn't raised in to break something different than what's shown on the mainstream. I mean, you're bringing African artists to the mainstream in a country like Australia, that's that's huge work. And I know it was a huge weight for me, even though, you know, we broke a lot of walls and there was a lot of gems that were learned um, and a lot of wins, but I realized it took a, a huge toll on me and it was a huge weight that when I re relocated back home, that full circle moment of being in a place where the dream actually started forced me to go back to, you know, the mindset of the kid who dreamt it and how happy I was to express the music and share music in general without the opinions or weight of anything else and really forced me to take a look into representing Sampa for a change versus everybody else. I mean, everybody else didn't even ask me to represent them, if we're being honest. And just, you know, taking a chance to look at who I am outside of my music my own happiness and, and making sure that I actually love what I do. And that, that all are important ingredients to the road of self-discovery and just being transparent with myself and aiming to be my freest self. Some of the thought processes that went into, you know, what as above, so below is now. And as you like kind of got in more into your own exploration of your artistic persona and what you wanted to share on stage or amplify on stage about you or, you know, it to present, yeah. how did you kind of refine and come up with your stage presence? And were there any, <laughs> or, you know, cause I've seen you in concert and yeah. it's amazing and oh, just really like inspires confidence as an audience member too. I sensed that amongst my fellow audience members oh. that people were coming out of their shell, which was great. But yeah, how did, did you, were you, did, were you confident like that at the beginning or was there a process there? I think some of it stems from my family and just, <laughs> we're very visual storytellers. You know, we tell stories with our hands or we stand up and tell you the examples of the story. So it just felt like a continuation of that on stage. Like music doesn't just stop in the studio. You're continuing to tell the story, but live when you do it on stage. So part of that is just how my family communicates and, and, you know, the other half was gaining confidence in myself because it wasn't always, hey, guys, we're about to have a good time. It's definitely being shy about expressing myself, about expressing something that was maybe different because it's hip hop, but done in a different way. I know there was huge concerns when I started in Australia about if people can even understand what I'm saying because my accent is different. It just be more comfortable with, with yourself. You know, the more comfortable I got, in being some of the artist, the more it showed on stage. I was just comfortable with the music I was sharing. I was comfortable with the people I'm sharing the music with. And the more that grew, the more it just became a thing of we're on stage to share this story with you and bring you into our world. And, and now it's just, when are we going on stage next? <laughs> <laughs> amazing amazing well I mean you're going on stage next pretty soon yeah uh, I guess what is it tomorrow or something actually in like three hours today. oh my god it's three hours from now I feel yeah. honored to be included in the day that has a show in it Yay. thank you so much it's been awesome to talk with you um and and I hope that we'll get to connect in person at some point in the future but congratulations on the awesome new album as above so below Sampa the Great is out now thank you so much Thanks again to Sampa the Great for that interview. I loved it. And she's on tour this month in Australia, supporting Billie Eilish. And then she has a headlining tour in Europe next month. 
You can get tickets at SampaTheGreat.com. And you can find me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at JennyLSQ, if you have questions or feedback. And I'll talk to you next time.